taking a bit of a risk this morning, uh, a sermon at short notice, and uh, preaching through a passage that I guarantee everyone, everybody here has heard a sermon on before. Uh, so no, no surprises, it's about some, about some lost sheep. Um, why, Pastor Steve, can't you give us something original? Um, I think we need to rediscover the, the enormity and the majesty and the goodness of God's grace, is why. Um, which is the reason each one of us are here this morning. Um, you know, Jesus is talking to this bunch of religious people who, who think that they can... They take issue with the fact first that Jesus bothers with people who, who are different than them. And then they get stuck up on this idea that they can somehow keep God happy and they can somehow almost placate God if they just keep some rules and, and do all the right things. And Jesus is trying to say, no, don't you understand? The only way people can be made right with God is through his grace. Um, Luke 15 starts like this. Let's just read the first couple of verses. Tax collectors and other notorious Love that word. Notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. Outrageous. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Uh, many, many years ago in, uh, in Biloela, in my former life as a police officer, we had a uh, a young fella who, um, who, who ducked out of home. He was, um, it was Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. Um, mum and dad are in, are, in, are in the house. The young four-year-old um, decides that he doesn't want to be at home anymore, so he jumps the back fence and, and does the runner. Uh, the, the parents were, um, let's say, let's be nice about this. The parents were known to us, um, which, which uh, I... I I think it's sort of just, you know, there's, there's already something in your head. You're like, you're, like, you're already judgment, right? There's already some, some, some sort of judgment going on there. Um, I asked the dad a heap of questions. What's, what's your son wearing? When did you last see him? All that sort of stuff. And as I was leaving, he said to me, um, I'm worried that when you find him, he's going to do the, do the runner. I said, why would he do the runner? And he said, well, when you come got me last time, that's what I did. So that's a whole other story. But... Uh, <laughs> This, um, it was Saturday afternoon. It's the, it's the one day of the year where the, where the local mine put on a big family, family day. So there's rides, there's, there's merry-go-rounds, there's slides. It's a, it's a ball. And because the country's a little bit light on with events, um, anyone puts a decent event on, on on a Saturday in the country, it's, it's packed. There's a lot of people there. So trying to, there's, there's a good chance we knew where this, where this young fella was. Um, the, the difficulty was, was trying to find a young guy wearing the same shirt as half the other kids in town at the same event, and there's probably about a thousand of them there. Um, anyway, it, it turned out that simply it, it was a case that he had jumped the fence, heard the noise, run away, um, but eventually he got tired. Eventually he got tired and he's just, he realised that there's no way to get home. So he just went and, I think from memory, he actually went and found the police car and just sat there and just waited for us to come. Um, but he, he basically just found the, found the first uniform he could and said, I, I need to go home. Um, 
So we, have a, we, we took him home, and we had this little moment where he runs down the, down the driveway and mum and dad come screaming out of the house and it's this whole ah, sort of moment. And um, so as a, as a cop, part of me is doing the whole, isn't that lovely, isn't, isn't that nice and gracious? Like, you know, they've, they've had this moment to, to, to get reunited. But the other part of me is doing the whole, why'd you let him get out in the first place? And almost in a sense, being willing to, to judge, maybe I suppose I've got to do that as a, yeah, as a cop, but I suppose, I suppose the reality is that tension between, I think this is where the Pharisees get it wrong too. And it's where, it's, this is, let's just face it, it's where Christians get it wrong in general. Um, we, we first come to faith in Jesus, we, we come to this place where, where God valued us and God loved us and God um, pursued us and extended his grace. And we love the idea that God goes and pursues people and pursued us. But at some point, we, we become Christians and we find ourselves being forgetting that God's grace was undeserved. We find ourselves forgetting that... We find ourselves becoming people who just impose a bunch of rules that are unreasonable, unreasonable expectations on people rather, listen to this, rather than extending the same undeserved grace that we, we got, right? Um, living in empty religion is like one of those mice that runs around on the, on the wheel all day. It goes nowhere. Living in grace is a place of life and joy and gratitude and, and encouragement when we stuff up. Um, I reckon there's something in there's something in the in the value of these people that Jesus goes and chases, isn't there? It's not because of who of who they are; it's because of who made them. And um, I just started reading Brendan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, which is a good read um, so far. There's two quotes in there. One is this: one of the great challenges of the gospel tradition is this strange attraction of Jesus for the unattractive. A strange desire for the undesirable, a strange love for the unlovely. And then he makes a point and he says, something is very wrong with the church if it rejects people who Jesus accepted. Uh, the church should always be a place, let's face it, where all people, whether they're lost or they're half lost or they're found or whoever they are, find a place to belong. Um, the there's something significant about the value of people that Jesus sees. And um, many of you would know Mike Hilson. Mike, uh, Mike's son, Rob, Rob was here a couple of weeks ago. Mike was from America. He told us on the, a recent conference that um, uh, there was a long-standing member of his church who came to him one day. There'd been a, uh, a new guy who'd walked in the door that day, um, you know, wearing maybe all the wrong clothes. He had one of those, one of those mohawk things happening. Um, about, about a foot high, if you can imagine this. So nothing, nothing over here and, and one of those blue and funky coloured things happening in the middle. And um, the, the long-standing member came to him and said, Mike, one of us has got to go. This, this, isn't, this isn't right. And Mike uh, said, you're right, one of you has to go. Um, and basically, without, without being, being too harsh about it, I think Mike basically explained to him, look, you've been a Christian for a long time. 
if you think this is, um, th this is something that you're not comfortable with, um, I know you can find another church somewhere. But the reality is, this guy might not. This guy might not. Now, that's going to that's make some really interesting um, dynamics in a church, and that's, and that's okay. Um, but essentially, the, um, I've just been thinking that the church should be a place where the long-standing member and the guy with the funky hair get together and have a, have, have a coffee on the weekend, shouldn't it? And uh, if you, if you, so, the, so this guy ended up, ended up did, did leave, but then he came back, and it was, it was interesting. The guy, with the, the guy with the funky hair stayed and became a youth leader and has mentored people throughout their youth group who have now been pastors of their church. You, you never know. The, the job for us is not to judge people, it's to show them grace. It's to show them the same grace that we didn't deserve that Jesus showed to us. Uh, this, the second thing I want to say is simply that um, Jesus notices the one. And he goes about... There's a sense of urgency, isn't there, about going and finding this one um, without, without any consideration for the cost. Uh, verse 4 and 5. If a, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulder. Hang on a second. Wouldn't it be easier to keep your 99, to maybe have some sheep babies at some point, and, and keep... Look, what's, what, wouldn't it be easier? Isn't it easier to hang on to what we've got rather than going and setting out for the, for, for the search for one more? Not knowing if this, if, if this sheep is five minutes down the road or if he's gone for good. What does Jesus do? He goes looking. And there's a sense of urgency in which he goes and sets about doing it. I, I think there's a... I was talking to a guy this week um, in my office who grew up on a sheep farm, and he reliably tells me that sheep are not dumb, apparently. But they, they are known for getting lost. And they get to this point where they, where they either find the first predator that they can straight away, or they get to the end of a mountain for the last blade of grass and then can't get back. So the, so the, so the idea in this story is that the only way for the, for the, for the sheep to, get, to, to, to ever be okay is to get... He needs a rescuer. That's, that's the point. He needs a rescuer. And um, the, if you consider your life, some of you might... Jesus might have come and got you from when you sort of just did a bit of a U-turn out, out of the sheepfold. Some of you might have been on the end of that mountain, okay? You can talk about the, the, the significance of all that stuff. All of us have got different stories. The most important thing is that Jesus came looking for us. It doesn't matter what your story is. The, the, the story is about the urgency with which he came and got you. The, um, I think there's, there's an urgency in the Great Commission, isn't there? In, in Matthew 28, when, um, when Jesus, is, Jesus is, not, is not talking to two billion people, I know there's an implication there, obviously, for us being Christians, about what we would do about going to make disciples. But he's talking to 11. 
And he's saying nothing less than, I want you to go and change. I want you 11 people to go change the world one person at a time. I just, I just want you to get the enormity of what he's asking these people to do. This is a big deal. And um, that, you, know, you start extending grace to the first person you find and then you embrace that job every day of your life. That's, that's the mission. And he's also talking to 11 people who have never, by all accounts, left about a 20-kilometre radius of land in their life. And what he's saying to them is, go. Go with urgency and get stuck into the job. And I think trusting that there'll always be one more, and then one more, and then one more. That's, that's the job. Um, church, we, we've always got to be people always got to be a church that is ready to send people. Now, that, that, that hurts. I'm not going to announce anything, anything this morning. No one's going anywhere right now, right? But the, the issue is we've always got to be ready to send somebody because the urgency of the job is there, the danger to those people involved is there, and we've got to be a church that's ready to send them when God says go. Okay? We've got to be those people and we've got to be willing to, to let part of us go, go with them and we've got to be willing to cover the, cover the gaps that they leave when they do. That's, cause that's just going to be part of, part of what it is to be a part of a church. We've got to be those people. I, I get the sense that God's still working on some people in this church about that. I'll, I'll leave that with you. Um, there's, one, there's one very difficult thing to cover that comes out of this question, that comes out of this, this issue. I, I suppose it's the issue of when we extend the offer of, of God's grace to people, there's not going to be a case where every person is going to go, yes, pick me, I'm lost, and I need to come, I need to come home. That is not going to happen all the time. Um, grace keeps inviting, but it can't force somebody's hand. You notice the shepherd doesn't go grab this sheep, kicking and screaming back to the, back to the um, back home. When we went to find that young fella in Billawila, we couldn't go get him until he had convinced himself that there's no other way. Until he's convinced himself that there's no other way to get to get home, apart from to accept help and direction. And that's the same story for this. And I've just got to, I've just got to be honest and tell you, my, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for some of you this morning about that. My heart breaks that, that some of you have family members or, or friends who are not with the Lord and I want you to be encouraged because God does not give up on pursuing people. Ever. He does not do it. But often people need to come to the end of their own their own attempts before they'll be ready to do that. Uh, if, you, if you have someone on your heart this morning uh, in, in, that, in that space and, and you just don't see what God's doing in that, in that area, um, I want to I encourage you to come, to come share that with the prayer team. That, that is not something 
a burden that you need to carry yourself. That's a burden you need to share. And um, so the, the reason we keep those, those burdens before God and we, and we pray for breakthrough is we want to be a church that parties, right? We want to be a church that parties. This was, that wasn't part of the sermon. But anyway, the, the church gets to celebrate together. That's what it's about. There's something about celebrating together. And um, this is the best part, of the best part of the story, isn't it? Celebration. When we, uh, verse, verse 5. When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulder. Joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbours saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. That annoying sheep, oh, I found him. There's a, there's a celebration, right? Um, I, I dream... So we keep having service meetings on Fridays about what we're going to do in church and how, we're going to, how many songs we're going to sing. I wish... I dream of the day where we have to modify our sermon or, short, or, or, or shorten the whole thing because we've got to make room for testimonies and baptisms. Yeah. Every week. I don't know how that's going to happen. But I, that, that is a problem I want to have. And it's only going to happen when we share grace with people. And um, I, I love... I, I reckon there's so much, so much of, a, of a part of our church that has to, that has to be part of that... Um, that We've got to be part of the celebrations. Because a lot of times we, we, sort, we sort of assume that God is doing something, but we don't actually see it. And if we don't share our stories about what God is doing, then we, then we get discouraged, right? So this morning I want to share, I want to share two stories. One's, one's mine, and one is one that Mike's going to share for us. Come on down, Mike. Just checking that. Just wanted to share a story that happened last year, which is a testimony to God's heart to bring home lost sheep. Mm. Um, when Alpha was running the church last year, Nathan encouraged each of us to think about family members, think about friends, think about people who you work with who you could invite to Alpha. And I was challenged by that um, and invited, invited some people from work. And a, and a young couple responded to that invitation, a young couple in their 20s, They'd both grown up in families of faith, uh, and she'd stuck with it through to adulthood, but, but he had um, he'd turned away from God as an angry young man of 15. Mm. And, um, and now, 10 years later, he was, um, he's a great guy, but he wasn't connected with God. So they came along, they accepted the invitation, they came as a couple, and week by week, they missed some weeks, and they, they caught up with the videos. But through the discussion at the table, through the content in the videos, and I think through the connection with the people here that cared for them, there was a transformation in their lives. For her, it was really just a, a validation and an encouragement that her faith was real. But for him, it was a coming home. Um, after 10 years, he found again the God who was not ready to give up on him. Um, and I know that I have seen in his life a transformation peace, joy, and perhaps the, the most wonderful thing is for them as a couple now to be able to share their faith because she had 
reconciled that for the rest of her life, faith in their marriage was going to be a forbidden subject, that they could not talk about it, because every time she wanted to talk about it, they just caused separation. And he was the one that um, initiated prayer with her, and that for her was perhaps the greatest gift that could happen. And so for me, that was a reminder. God's, um, he might have given up on God, but God was no way ready to give up on him. Ain't it good to hear stories, eh? Um, second one I, w- I want to share is um, I learned years ago that God's still pursuing people. And, and, and often, often he goes and uses us to help, even though we don't even realise. Um, there was a, a, a couple of years back, we were down, I was down for a weekend for study or something. Went with a friend of mine to a, uh, to a men's event near here somewhere. And, uh, and a guy got up and shared his testimony. And I, di- I didn't recognise him. Um, he... The short story was he'd been on drugs, he'd been um, you know, doing a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of messed up stuff. Uh, life was a bit of a train wreck and he ended up in, in prison a couple of times but he had a Christian family and a church that just perennially prayed for him without fail for years. And uh, eventually he got, he got caught one last time, locked up one last time. But he remembered for some reason apparently that the, that the police officer who locked him up told him simply that God wasn't finished with him yet. Um, he'd been in prison about two and a half months out of, out of six, and he was convinced that this was going to be the last time, but he was, that he was depressed. He, he had given up. And the, um, he'd, he'd been in prison a couple of, couple of months. He heard that one of the other prisoners who had a really bad reputation of, of beating people up wanted to see him, and he's like, oh, good, this is going to go really well. Um, so he, so he, um, he, he tries for, for weeks to avoid this guy as, as best he can. One day, old mate uh, hides behind a bit of a, uh, behind a bit of a, you know, one of, the, one of the prison yard sort of things and just comes out in, in front of him and he's like, I've got nowhere to go. I've got nowhere to run. He thought he was going to end up getting beaten up. And the guy simply said to him, without Jesus, your life's going nowhere. And um, that, that night in, in, his, in his cell, he, uh, he prayed a prayer almost, almost just in hope that God hadn't, hadn't left him. And God, Jesus, turned up in that prison cell. That's a whole other story to, to tell one day. But that guy now spends his life investing in young people and turning them away from where he went and it rocked my world because I was the guy who locked him up. And I, I so, so many years, so many years of doing, I, I don't even remember saying anything to this guy. I, I, remember, I remember talking to him. I remember he had a family of faith and I remember talking to him, him about that. He says that the copper who arrested him said, God hasn't finished with you yet. I don't remember that. It's very unlike me to say that, something like that to, to somebody. But when God wants to get somebody's attention, man, does he find a way. Man, does he find a way. Um, I want to tell you, folks, God is still in the, in the business of extending grace to people. You might be in a place this morning where, where, where you know you are not where you need to be. 
you, you know you're not where you need to be and you're heading in the wrong direction or maybe even you're just, you're just at risk of getting lost. And, I, and I, Jesus is asking this, folks. Listen to this. How long will you run? How long will you run? You, you might even be a Christian. This, this is the context of the passage. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who have got it all wrong. And you might even be a Christian who has experienced God's grace for yourself, but you keep trying to prove your worth to God by how good you are or what you do and all that sort of thing. And today he would ask you, are you willing to rediscover my grace and learn to extend that same grace to people who don't deserve it? Because that's what he did to us. As a Christian, grace changes you. And here's how. If you give with grace, you'll do it joyfully rather than out of compulsion. If you serve with grace, you'll never do enough because it'll be fun. If you love your family with grace, they'll see you differently, I'll guarantee it. If you work with God's grace in your workplace, not only will people notice, but you'll see the way that you work differently as well. How do you experience grace? Is the question we want to finish on. Well, guess what? Verse 7 gives us the answer. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than 99 who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Key word there is repent. I'm, I, I want to tell you this morning, just, just simply, that it's about undeserved grace is available to you because Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for your sin. It's available because of what Jesus did. And what does he ask of you? He wants you to repent. Repent is the word. And repentance is simply turning away from the direction you're going and following him instead. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just means I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what he calls us to do. Can the worship team come and join me, please? Over. Give up trying to earn God's grace and experience it for yourself. I want, to, uh, I want to just close this morning as I read a quote. I think we can do this better with, it, with our eyes closed. Um, so just close your eyes for a minute. I'll read this and then we'll pray. Okay? Listen to these words. There is a God of awesome grace who meets people in moments of darkness and a hardship. Don't run from him, run to him. The reason, sorry, the cross, the cross is God's guarantee that even in the darkest moment of your life, Christ will never turn in disgust and walk away from you, ever. There is no rebellion, no weakness, no foolishness, no evil in your life 
that one, the cross hasn't defeated, and two, that Jesus' grace can't transform. How long, church, will you run? Or will you come home instead? I just want, while I, our eyes are closed this morning, I, I just want to tell you that God is still pursuing each of us today. You, and you might know that you are lost. You might have never put your faith in Jesus today. And you might never have experienced his grace. And I simply want to ask, while everyone's eyes are closed, this is between you and God, not between you and me, between you and God. If you're in that place this morning and you want to start again, would you raise your hand? Bless you. If you're a if you're a Christian and you've been running from God and you need to experience his grace again this morning and start living with grace and you know you're not where you should be today you know you're just not there while everyone's eyes are closed it's okay to raise your hand between you and God God, you see those hands. And you see those hearts. Lord, we, uh, we come, be, come to you this morning as, you, as your, your sheep. Your sheep who have a proclivity to get lost and find the end of ourselves before we stubbornly come and ask for help. And God, some people are in that place this morning and I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit might enter that life and give guidance and direction and new hope. And Lord, I pray for the... I thank you that you bothered to save me. I thank you that you bothered to save all of us. God, the, the offer of salvation, the offer of a new start, is available because of Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice and the love and the grace that he showed. We thank you that that door is open and you're still pursuing people.